0: The following audio is from the Sunday morning worship service at First Baptist Church in Clayton. More information about First Baptist Church can be found at www.fbcclayton.com. Go ahead and grab your Bibles, go to Colossians chapter 3, Colossians chapter 3. Now this morning uh, we're going to be kind of back and forth between Colossians chapter 3 and Ephesians chapters 5 and 6. So uh so you might just in the meantime kind of while we're doing some introductory stuff, look up Ephesians chapter 5 and just put your finger there and, and hold it because we're going to we're going to kind of jump back and forth uh between Colossians 3 and and Ephesians chapters 5 and 6 because they address the same things and uh, Ephesians kind of fleshes out a little bit more some topics that are addressed in Colossians. So so in order to kind of get the whole picture, get a well-rounded picture, I want to um, I want to look at both of those. Um, now, if you don't have a Bible, there should be a hardback black one in the pew somewhere near you. We're working on getting those in uh, one Bible in every slot. Um, so there may not be one right in front of you. There should be one somewhere close by. If you don't have a Bible or if you don't know where yours is, feel free to take that. Uh, if yours is in your car or under your bed or under a pile of dirty clothes at home, you can use ours and then just set it right back on your way out the door. Okay, um, so last week as we're going through Colossians Last week we looked at gospel living And, and we said because of the gospel um, There are some things that we need to put to death uh, Namely sexual immorality, anger, wrath, malice, slander And obscene talk from your mouths is what, is what Paul says um, And then he said we need to bring some things to life And he lists compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience now, now let me kind of clarify that, because all along, from the very beginning, when, when we started Colossians, I said Christianity is primarily not a list of do's and don'ts, and then last week, the sermon was mostly over a list of do's and don'ts, right? So, um, but, but here's the idea, because of the gospel working in us, there are some things we need to put to death, and because of the gospel working in us, there are some things we need to bring to life. So it starts with the gospel The, the uh, life, death, resurrection of Christ who, Which brings us forgiveness Makes us right with God And then that being in right standing with God Should cause us to live a certain way Not the other way around Not I do cer- certain things And I don't do certain things In order to gain standing with God It's a working out of the relationship that we, That's already there The forgiveness is already there um, and so last week was kind of one of those difficult passages, right? It might have stepped on our toes a little bit. And today we come to another one that's going to be difficult for us, that there might be some stepping on of toes. So, so let me say, just like I did last week, um, I try to, try to do my, message, my messages in such a way that it's very clear that, that I'm trying my best to simply say what the text says. I'm not just pulling these out of thin air. Um, so In that we see the way that god works because here we are the sunday before valentine's day and we're talking about Homes we're talking about our relationships. I didn't plan that out back in november when we started colossians Um, that's that's the way it has worked out. And so now the sunday before or thanksgiving wow I am way off sunday before Valentine's day, uh, we're talking about home. So we're going to address, uh, your relationship with your kids your relationship with your spouse um and so that's that's the way god works so let me say this if if you start to feel some conviction if you start to feel like your toes are being stepped on uh, let me ask you to do something don't tune me out automatically if if your toes are being stepped on i want you i want you to hang with me okay and and if that's the holy spirit maybe speaking to you and showing some things that need to change let him do work don't shut him out simply because we get uncomfortable um So, uh, as I said, our focus is going to be on Colossians 3 and on Ephesians uh, chapter 5 and 6. Um, So, let's stand together. We're going to start in uh, Colossians chapter 3, verses 18, and we're going to go through chapter 4, verse 1. And as as you're going to see, this is not a popular text. This is a difficult one, and we have have some some work that we've got to do to get through here. Colossians chapter 3, verse 18. Wives, submit to your husbands... As is fitting in the Lord. And already there are women walking out the door. Um, (laughs) Hold on, I said, hang on, hold on. Husbands, love your wives, and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Slaves, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service, as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your slaves justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Let's pray together. Uh, Father, these are difficult words for us to hear, um, deal with some difficult topics. So I pray that, that your spirit will inhabit this place, that you will speak through your word and and where there's clarification needs to be made allow that clarification to be made Um, where there are some wrong attitudes and wrong understandings correct those and and in the simple areas where we need to simply bring ourselves under the authority of your word make that happen make work in our hearts and in our minds this morning Uh, we ask this in your name amen you can have a seat all right well it's a good thing i've been here for a little while before i dive into this one um but, but we have some difficult things here, right? Like the first words, wives submit to your husbands. And already, like, there are women who are, like, putting on their boxing gloves. Like, let's go, parking lot, you, and me, after the service, all right? Um, and then it addresses slaves, which is another thing that we're, that, that seems really outrageous that, that Paul would address this in this way. So the majority of our time this morning is to we spent talking about the home, about uh, the husband and wife relationship, and the parent-child relationship At the end, we will address his, his commands to slaves and their masters And, and kind of what we do with that here now In, um, in the 21st century where slavery, and at least in our country, praise God, has been abolished And so how we, how we deal with that But the majority of our time is going to be spent on the homes um, So here's kind of where we're going this morning We're going to um, first talk to wives Because that's where Paul talks first and in each of these instances, he addresses the, uh, the submitting party first. So he addresses wives, then husbands, children, then parents, um, servants, and then masters. So, so what we're going to do in the home, we're going to address wives, and then we're going to address children. All right, kids, so put your listening ears on. And, and then I'm going to go back and, and talk to husbands and fathers, because I believe by far God has placed the burden on husbands and on fathers. Um, more, more so than he has placed on wives and on children Because I believe wholeheartedly God has called husbands and fathers to be leaders in the home So that's where we're going to spend the bulk of our time So uh, get ready to go boys All right, um, so here we start, right? Verse 18 Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord Now, we have a lot of work to do in this verse Because this is probably one of the most misunderstood verses in all of Scripture. And, and so one of the things I want to say from the very beginning, he does not use the term with wives that he uses with children. He does not tell wives to obey your husband, okay? So if your husband has ever said that, look at him and say that's wrong, okay? <laughs> he does not tell you to obey your husband. What he says is to submit. Um, now, here's, here's the thing. This is not... The, the way that Paul addresses this does not diminish the personhood of the wife. I want to make that very clear. But you have to understand Paul's context. And when he is writing this, homes are set up in such a way so that up here you have the husband and father at the top. And then way down here you have wives, children, servants. So the husband was by far the ruler. In fact, um, we see even in the Old Testament, um, some of the areas where the wife, or where the husband could divorce the wife simply because he doesn't like her. Right, like he could he could be unhappy with her over something or another and and divorce her. Which in those day and ages, if you remember, um, in Jesus's time, a divorced woman had no life whatsoever apart from going into prostitution because that was the only way a divorced wife could make a living. That was the only reputable job she could have. Her status was taken from her the moment she was divorced. And you had husbands who could divorce their wives for any and every reason. She burnt the stake. Time to get a new one, all right? <laughs> Time to move on, okay? So, so what you would have is husbands trading wives like we trade vehicles. And, and I'm afraid our society is not far from that. I'm afraid we're not far from getting back to those, only it's not just husbands, wives can now divorce husbands, the, the, the no-fault divorce, we just don't get along, so, so we can divorce, and, and I'm afraid we're getting back to, to this society, um, that's neither here nor there, that's another discussion for another day. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 5, because um, as I said, this, this kind of fleshes it out a little more, and so we're going we're gonna to be flipping back and forth quite a bit between Colossians and Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5 We're going to pick it up in verse 22 Wives submit to your own husbands As to the Lord For the husband is the head of the wife And and here's what we do We stop right there We want to stop that verse So if you ask um, Most anybody in America What do do Christians teach about husband and wives Well they say that the wife should should submit To the husband because the husband is the head of the wife And that's where they stop That's not where the text stops It goes on, we've got to understand that for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Now, now, husbands and fathers, your time's coming, so I'm not going to focus on you yet. This is the submission that's called for. The way we submit to Christ, wives are called to submit to Husbands. Because we know Christ has our best interest at heart Because we see what he did for us So we gladly bring our lives under and and submit to him It's not a domineering It's not a strong arm thing Wives, you are called to voluntarily submit Um, Now as I said, it does not in any way diminish the personhood of the wife Okay? Wives, you are created equal with your husband I want to make that very clear But God has arranged the household with the husband as the head, like Christ is the head of the church. And I said, we're going to get back to this in a minute. And then Paul in Colossians adds this at the end. Um, Verse 18 Wives submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. So what you have to understand, Paul is not unique in his kind of family code here. So in his day and age, you would have had other writers who were giving these family codes with the husband as the head almost um, universally. But Paul adds this Christian element, as is fitting in the Lord. So get this, a wife's submission to her husband is an outworking of the Lordship of Christ. So wife, your submission to your husband will say more about your relationship with Christ than it will about your relationship with your husband. It will say more about your relationship with Christ than your relationship with husband. So here's the difficult part then. According to Scripture, according to my understanding of Scripture, wives are called to honor, to submit to their husbands, to honor Christ, even when the husband is not worthy of submission. Now that's a tough spot to be, right? And so as I said, our, my, my we're coming back to husbands and fathers, so don't get comfortable and don't start nudging your wife. Yet. Yeah, that's right. You're that you're supposed to submit, even when I, right. Don't don't do it because you're you're next. <laughs> all right. God has organized the house in such a way. Now I don't have to tell you. The world has so skewed this idea of the home, skewed the idea of marriage that, and they're going to throw all this um, mumbo jumbo at us, and 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 it's very confusing. So you've got to understand this. In today's day and age is radical, and it's difficult for us. All I can say is this, God has or- organized the home in such a way, that He might be glorified, that the world might be confounded, like most of the rest of the gospel but that when we bring ourselves under the authority of Christ, under the authority of Scripture, and submit to this authority, God is going to be glorified and the gospel is going to be out go out as a witness from our homes. We see the home set up a lot like the Trinity is set up, and here's what I mean. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, now uh, don't ask me to explain how all this works One God who manifests himself in three persons Father, Son, Holy Spirit And even in that you see that the Son and the Holy Spirit Submit themselves to the Father voluntarily Not diminishing their personhood The, fa- the Son and the Spirit are not in any way Any less God than the Father But they bring themselves under submission to his will um, Just one there, there are a myriad of verses we could go to Just one, I wanna, uh, one passage I want to take you to Philippians chapter 2 this is a, uh, an early hymn, really, about um, that, that Paul writes to, to Christ, about Christ, and it says this. Ephesians chapter, or Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 7. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not qu- count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men then verse 8 goes on and being found in human form he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross so you have christ the creator of the universe who brings himself in submission to the will of the father for the good of us we are saved through christ's sacrifice on the cross through his humbling himself to the will of the father that's the kind of submission we have it's not domineering it's not strong arm it's voluntary. I voluntarily submit to Christ and, I, and wives voluntarily submit to my husband in order that Christ may be glorified. Okay, now I want to go on to verse 20. We're going to address children and then I want to come back and address um, um, husbands and fathers all at once. This is verse 20. Children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. And Back in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. I used to joke with my teenagers when it says that it may go well with you and you may live long in the land. What that's really saying is, children, obey your parents or they will kill you. Okay? <laughs> um, listen up, kids. You honor the Lord when you honor your parents. And we have to understand, at the time of Paul's writing, children were considered little better than slaves. As I said, you had the husband, and then down here you had wives, children, slaves. Um, so really, it was almost like children's, children had no, um, like they weren't responsible for their own decisions. They were just kind of slaves to their passions. And, and here Paul says, look, you, you have a choice. You are responsible for your actions. And, and here's, the, here's the really crazy thing. And the thing I think we need to understand Honoring our parents doesn't end When we move out of the house Now does that relationship change? Yeah Is my relationship with my mom the same as it was When I lived under their house? No Am I still called to honor my mom? Absolutely To remember the things that I was taught To live in such a way so that it won't shame My family So here's what this means kids Be obedient. Even when it seems unfair, even when it seems uncool, even when Johnny's parents let him do it, okay? Right? Because you know what's going to follow that, right? Don't you know what's going to happen every time when you say that? Well, if Johnny's parents let him jump off a bridge, would you follow too? Right? Like, like that's the way it works. Or, what's going to follow? Well, Johnny doesn't live here, right? Okay? Okay? Honor your parents. The only exception I see in Scripture is when your parents ask you to do something that would go against Scripture. That's the only out. And being home by midnight doesn't go acro- against Scripture. I'm just saying, all right? <laughs> honor your parents. Because when you do so, you honor God. All right, men. Verses 19, verse 21. Husbands, love your wives. Do not be harsh with them. Then skimming down to verse 21. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. As I said, I believe that by far the burden is placed on men. Husbands and fathers. And I believe the greatest misunderstanding of this text comes not from wives who refuse to submit, but from husbands who refuse to love their wives as Christ loved the church. And gave himself up for her. Now I don't think I have to tell you our our culture is extremely confused with families as a whole, but especially when it comes to husbands and to fathers. Uh, Confused about what a husband and a father should look like. Confused about even if husbands and fathers are necessary. Um, I'm going to throw out some statistics, and, and I'm not. I'm not offending. I'm not trying to offend. I'm just giving statistics. Okay. These are statistics concerning fathers in the home According to Pew Research In 2010, so so now three years ago 27% of fathers did not live with their children That's up from 11% in 1960 So in 50 years we went from 11% of fathers not living with their children To 27% More than 1 in 4 fathers don't live with their kids In 2007, so so now about six years ago, the number of young women in the Mosaic generation. So in 2007, that would have been the young women ages 18 to 22 who were mothers. 79% were not married, ages 18 to 22. Now, that number is going to go down for that generation as they get older and get married. But we're seeing um, mothers are becoming mothers much younger, and there's usually not a father in the picture when it starts. Look at that, 79%. Almost eight out of 10. In 2008, the number of births to unmarried women was at 41%. Get this, up from just 5% in 1960. There's been a 50 year experiment in our nation about whether husbands and fathers are optional, and they're not. They're not like a cell phone case, they're not optional accessories. Young men who grow up without a father in the home are twice as likely to end up in jail as those who grow up in two-parent homes. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. And 71% of high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. Dads, you're not optional. You're necessary. So men, let me issue this challenge to you as well and let me say this, if you are a single mom, if you're a single parent, you deserve a medal of honor because you have a difficult job. So let me say this, men, if you know a single mom, if you, if you know a single parent, step in. Just because there's not a father present in the home doesn't mean there can't be a father figure. And our culture desperately needs this. Now, let me say this. Media does not help us out when it comes to fathers. As I was preparing this and just looking back, thinking about the the husbands and the dads that we see on TV, they are not good examples, okay? I'm about to give you a list of them. Now, some of these shows, some of you are going to be familiar with. um, You might not want to admit that you're (laughs) familiar with them, but some of them you're going to be familiar with. And and some of these might surprise us when when we really get down to it, okay? Um, Before my time, all right, I'll be real honest, but but in the 70s, we had Archie Bunker, okay? Think about Archie Bunker as a dad, okay? Um, going on to the 90s when I was a kid, now, let me say, I didn't watch this show often, okay? Al Bundy, married with children. Yeah, some of you are going, I'm not going to admit I watched that show, okay? Uh, if you're my age, you grew up with the Simpsons and with Homer Simpson. Shining example of a father and a husband, Okay? Since then, we have the animated series Family Guy and Peter Griffin. Here's here's what we see in these shows, right? Generally speaking, Married with Children might be an exception to this because they were both idiots, but um, generally speaking, you look at media, the husband is the bumbling idiot, and the mom's there who holds the home together, right? And so despite all of her husband's antics and and his laziness and his idiocracy— The mom is there to kind of hold the home together. So the mom is seen as a stronger character. Um, But so those were those were kind of not like the most appropriate shows. But think about even some of the more wholesome shows over the last 20 years. Home improvement. Was Jill not the stronger character who put up with all of Tim's antics? And it's only because of Jill that Tim didn't burn the house down 25 times. Everybody loves Raymond. Right? And these are these are the the good shows. Everybody Loves Raymond. Deborah is by far the stronger character while Ray's just kind of off in his own little sports world. Think about even the Cosby show, which I think is one of the best shows like in the history of television, okay? But in there was Claire, not the stronger person who kind of handled everything while, while Heathcliff Cl- Heath was off, you know, making kids ride on his knee and everything, okay? That... This, this is the way husbands are portrayed We're portrayed as If not imbeciles On the verge We're portrayed as goofy And I'm not saying that That's necessarily wrong Because I'm not saying that it's That it's inaccurate because that's the way Media is an extension And, and will always be an exaggeration of how Real life is right so what we've had Is husbands through the years Husbands and fathers who've kind of been While the, while the mom has held things together Hollywood just picked up on this and, and um, exaggerated it to make it funnier. And as I was thinking back through the last 20 years, and, and, and maybe I missed something, but, but I was just thinking back to, is there a show where there's an Andy Griffith-type character, a strong dad for kids? And I'm ha- I was having a real hard time coming up with one. Media does not help us out in this but media is ultimately a reflection of the culture. It's funny, we laugh at it because it's true, right? So, So let me say this, we are desperately in need of godly husbands and godly fathers who will love their wives as Christ loved the church, who will not be harsh with their wives, with their children, but who will lead them to godliness. By far the burden is placed on husbands to be men of God Whom wives will gladly submit to, and to be fathers who are deeply loved by their children. Go back to Ephesians. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, picking up verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. For no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and his church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. In this, there's no domineering. There's no shaking the fist. Woman, submit It's not what we see. We see a husband who loves his wife so deeply that he's willing to give himself for her the way that Christ gave himself for the church. And husbands, this is what I truly believe with all my heart. If we were to live like this, our wives would have no trouble submitting to a godly man like this. It's when we're not like this, when we fall short And then we want to tell our wives to submit that that's when the issues come. The burden is on us, men, far and away. Be godly husbands, be godly fathers. I want to spend just a little bit of time um, in uh, talking about the servants and the masters, and then we'll we'll close out our time. Starting in verse 22 in in Colossians chapter 3. um, These are very difficult texts for us because as I said, we live in a time, praise God, where slavery has been abolished. Um, In Paul's day, we have to understand, slavery was a part of normal life, and, and as normal a part as anything else. And none of us can understand that. None of us lived... 150 years ago when slavery was. Now, maybe you lived through some, through the times of racism, and, and I dare say that even in the 60s, um, racism here and, and what we dealt with in our nation then was nothing compared to what it was 100 years earlier when slavery was still in. Now, slavery in Paul's day was less about race and more about um, as a result of war. So a nation was conquered, and the people from that nation became slaves in, in the other nation. Now, Slaves in Paul's day Had no rights None They were property They were They were as much property As that stool Would be your property So you want to dispose of it You can dispose of it Because it's yours That's the way slaves were seen And so What we see in Paul's um, uh, Letter here and, and One of the Criticisms that, that this text Always receives Is Paul didn't say That slavery needs to end He didn't uh, He didn't say It needs to be abolished And he didn't encourage Slaves to run away From their masters Why not um, A couple of reasons. For one, had he come out and said, um, slavery's evil, stop it, um, he would have put not only his own life in danger, which his life was in danger anyway. I don't think he cared about that. He would have put the lives of slaves in danger. Because all of a sudden, if he starts encouraging his sla- slaves to rebel against their masters, slaves are going to start being killed for Either because they're going to take him up on that Or because their masters are going to be worried That they're fleeing And so he's going to make life much harder on them Instead what he does Is he elevates the status of slaves Not to property But to a person And what Paul does here Is he sows the seeds um, That will later Lead to the abolishment Of slavery Um. says some revolutionary things here for instance uh, he makes the slaves accountable for their actions verse 22 slaves obey in everything those who are your earthly masters not by way of eye service as people pleasers but with sincerity of heart fearing the Lord so he tells them you have the responsibility to be good workers And and as I said, slaves were just personal property, so they weren't considered real people. They were considered slaves to their own desires, and and so something less than human, and Paul elevates them, brings them on equal standing, and says, you have the responsibility to be good workers, not simply as eye-pleasers, but as with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Colossians 3.23, which, if you have any background in church, you'll know this. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, and not for men. So he tells them, ultimately, you're not working for your master. You're working for the Lord. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, you are serving the Lord Christ. And then in chapter 4, verse 1, he addresses the owners. Masters, treat your slaves justly and fairly. Treat them like people, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. So, So look at what he just did here. Slaves, be a master over your own work because you're serving the Lord. Masters, realize that you are slaves to your master in heaven he puts them on level ground now as I said thankfully in our society today we don't have slavery so how does this apply to us let me say first of all um, slavery is not abolished everywhere there are still areas of our world where slavery is very much alive and where human trafficking happens every day so as believers I believe first of all our responsibility is to work to end it stop it Stop little girls from being sold into prostitution. Stop people from being traded like cattle. As believers, I believe that's our responsibility. Um, Secondly, for us, really the only way that this really applies is uh, that I see would be in the workforce. Now, um, employers, that does not mean you start treating your employees like slaves, okay? That's not what we're saying. Um, But if you are an employee, work at your job with all your heart. As for the Lord, not for your boss. Even if your boss is unruly and um, unreasonable. I don't know, if you, if you get Reader's Digest, the, the main article uh, in next month's uh, Reader's Digest is all about horrible bosses and just these horror stories of bosses. Let me, let me say, if you're an employee, your boss's behavior does not dictate your conduct and your work ethic. And employers treat your employees fairly. That's, that's, the, that's the, the closest parallel that we have. Um, so let me close out our time here this morning. Um, first of all, we're going to address families just, just like we did. And so um, I'm going to ask you to bow, just bow your head and close your eyes as, as we close um, just for a short time this morning. Um, and I want you just to evaluate your family. I, as I said, our culture is so messed up when it comes to family. Um, we have a whole generation of people who, who want the benefits of marriage without the responsibility of marriage, and, and it's, that's not the way God designed it. We're, we're so messed up when it comes to the role of husbands and the role of fathers that, that we let culture and, and the media tell us how we're supposed to live when we need to let Scripture raise us up as men and women of God. So husbands, fathers, I'm going to spree- speak to you first of all. and um, If you need to change your attitudes t- towards your wife, towards your children, do it. Get in the word. Let the word speak to you about what it means to be a godly father, a godly husband. If you need to ask for forgiveness from your, from your wife or from your kids for, for not being that example, then, then ask forgiveness. Let this be a time of, of reconciling. Wives and moms, maybe um, maybe you've not been a wife who submits to her husband, like Christ submits to the church, not, not in diminishing your personhood, but in, in le- letting your home be set up in the way that God has set things up. Maybe you've been harsh with your kids, provoked them to anger, discouraged them. You need to ask for forgiveness. Maybe you're a single mom or dad, and, and if so, um, wow, I, I just I I pray for you every day and pray that God will. Um, will bring his mercy on you that God will bring if you're a single mom some godly men to, to be father figures for your children kids maybe you need to ask forgiveness from your parents for not honoring them in the way that you should then the second thing that, that this text addresses is our work life, employers and employees. Maybe if you're, if you're a boss in your job, you've been too harsh with those under you. Maybe if you're an employee, you've been uh, a, a pain or a thorn in the side of your boss, and you just need to um, repent and, and maybe ask them for forgiveness as well. Whatever needs to happen in this time as Gene comes, I pray that, um, that you'll just do work with God. Allow him to work on your heart that He would restore homes where it needs to happen, that He would raise up godly men and godly women to lead homes where it needs to happen. So I'm going to pray for us. And then the altar's open. Um, I'm here. You need to talk. You need to pray. Um, whatever. Uh, let's go to the Father. Lord, I thank You for this morning. And I know this is a difficult text. I know it, it pushes some buttons and, and it deals with some things that, that maybe we're not comfortable with. Or um, So God, I pray where, where that's the case, You will use Your Word through the Holy Spirit's work on our lives to to soften hard hearts where it needs to happen. God, bring us to repentance where it needs to happen. I pray that our congregation would be known for having godly families, godly men and godly women who are striving to raise God-honoring, God-fearing children. God, I pray especially for the fathers. You know the the work that we have ahead of us. You know the the, the pressure that's put on us from society, and and the um, the the misgivings and the misunderstandings that are about fatherhood. So I pray you will raise up godly men in this church. God, for the single parents, I pray that you will um, just give them an extra portion of your grace, an extra portion of patience. As they, as they attempt to um, do the work of, of two parents. And God, I pray that, that, that single moms and single dads would raise godly children as well. Work during this time. Touch our hearts. Speak to us through your word, through the Holy Spirit's guiding us and leading us. Um, we ask all this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from the Sunday morning worship service at First Baptist Church in Clayton. We are located at 223 Oak Street, and we would love to have you join us on Sunday mornings for Sunday school at 945 and worship at 11. You can reach us at 374-9285 or at fbcclayton.com.